Welcome back to WTF Invana Deal with Spicy and The Fox Danger. And today we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, meta. Oh boy, the meta. But before we get started into that, we have a correction from the last episode of Beastmaster, which will be launching the day after we record this, because we live in a John Oliver universe of the last week being tonight. <laughs> and right. neither of us were quite sharp enough to notice that when we were talking about the snapweed, we said tickling tendrils reduces slash removes TP, and it does not, because it just does damage and stun. Yeah, that is my bad. Um, that is a pet that I don't use very frequently, and for whatever reason, I had it in my brain that that was the case. Um, the true credit to that kind of strat um, goes to Ruomoko. It could come from somewhere else, but he had actually talked to me about the leech using TP Drain Kiss um, to remove TP from things, and I didn't want people to think that like I was blazing any paths that, that I didn't create myself. Uh, so it's not even a product of something that I brought up on my own or that I had thought of. It was just another pet that I had attributed to the same like family of results, and it ended up not even being true. So I didn't want a bunch of like incorrect information hanging out there for everybody. And I'll put it at the very start of the description for the podcast slash YouTube video because no one reads those anyway, So, but at least it's there. <laughs> right, right. It's a disclaimer. And on that note, we have also gotten our first viewer responses in the form of an email from a viewer, listener, I guess because you're not viewing us, this is not PBS, and a uh, several calls to my personal cell phone. <laughs> uh, is that an approved way to reach you, Spicy? No, several calls, Three, in fact, three calls that day about the topic, maybe not directly, but at least the first one was directly about the topic of the podcast to my cell phone, especially, I mean, while I'm on the way to work is fine, but yes, so we'll address that, that particular listener, uh, some of their concerns here, and we don't have intro music. Yes, we know, we do not have intro music. Before we started the podcast, I had reached out to someone on Reddit to talk, you know, they've been posting, if anyone, I, I don't have the name offhand, sorry, uh, they've been posting remixes of songs and stuff they made final fantasy 11 based i sent them a little pm about if they want to make some music and they said uh, not anytime soon but sure maybe in the future and i there we go. yeah it's gonna that's gonna kind of by the wayside at this point so if anyone wants to make us a quick eight second sort of intro here so while some of our listeners can be satisfied then that's a good way to get on our great side here of course, we'll credit you and everything for it, uh, obviously. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as addressing the music thing, like that is something that we kicked around before we decided to do this podcast. Um, we, <laughs> I, I even pointed Spicy towards like uh, this, this site that I had used in the past where like an AI can help you create music. It's actually a really cool site, but apparently it just doesn't even work anymore. Um, so we had actually thought about doing it. It's just both of us decided that we were not musically inclined enough to try to do that ourselves. So honestly, bad music as an intro would really just take away from the podcast. There were some bad candidates. In fact, there were some very bad candidates. And I yes, put, it, it wasn't thinking about it. I put hours into that and I said, you know what, F this. And we're going, we're going no music. We'll do it live. Sometimes you're just not good at stuff. And I can well, say that often. music is one of the things that I'm not good at. I'm not good at many things. I mean, look at me, I'm talking. Yeah. There you go. So another one of the caller corrections, as we'll call this one, was how we were talking up, specifically I was talking up Mambo, uh, specifically in this case an Omen, and yes, if you have a lot of targets on you, it doesn't make you invincible because you have Captivation. The accuracy floor for players and mobs is the same at 20%, so if you have 20 mobs all swinging at you, 
unless you have a proper sort of phalanx build or whatever going on, depending on whatever you're doing, you're going to take damage still. And you're, if you have a lot of mobs, and you're going to die still. So yes, evasion is not perfect. It is a one-on-one or one-on-few situation that is great. So let's use that as a learning experience too. Like whenever you approach a DT set or something like that, you kind of expand on it. Um, you always want to make sure that you're expanding on your mitigation and layers. You don't want to just go all in on a specific kind of defense, even though it's easy to say cap PDT or something. Um, just try to make sure that you're covering a lot of bases and that'll make your set a lot stronger. And the last one that I remember, because I wrote this down hours after it was told to me, uh, there were a bunch of different things. None of them are important, obviously. <laughs> is that our demeanor, yeah. our demeanor is on trial. Fox, you're a know-it-all and I look down on people. Yeah. And yes, I do look down on you. Uh, he, he, he most likely does, yeah. Um, I do come off as a know-it-all um, because, and I think I've mentioned this before also, Just say it. Um, I have a, a compulsion to correct information that I see. Um, if I see something that's incorrect, I, I will correct it. And I come off as an asshole because of that a lot of the time. And it, it's not meant to put anyone down ever. It's meant to be an educational experience. But the only thing that I do that's special that a lot of people don't is I'll usually go to the source of the things that I'm looking at and I'll actually look it up and then try to derive conclusions from that. And it can come off as pompous because it seems like I know everything, but I didn't start out that way. Like I just found something I needed to know the answer to. I went and looked it up and I just so happened to remember it very well. So that's really all there is going on with me. Yeah, the, the putting down comes from me. That's my thing. Yeah, that's absolutely spicy. Yeah, it comes from a good place sometimes. Other times it's obviously not. But I'll say it, you know... You come off as a know-it-all because you know more than the people that are listening to you. That, that's about what it is. That's how it is to me. You know more than I do. You know more than... Sometimes I know about a topic you don't, but in general, in the topic of Final Fantasy XI, especially in mechanics, you know more than a lot of people. That's why that is, you that come is off that probably, That is probably true, and I'm going to give you a, a passive answer like that because I'm the sort of person who won't speak to automatically knowing the audience. Like I don't know that I know more than the person who's listening to this at this very moment. But I do, I do know that I know a lot. And the, the people who do know as much as me in this game would probably know where I found this information from, too, because that's the only way you can become learned in it. If I was having a conversation with Werner von Braun about the NASA space project, I would think he's a know-it-all, but that's just what he knows. <laughs> right. At any rate, let's get into the episode. I, I, hey, real quick, though, yeah. I was just wrong about Beastmaster, too. So <gasps> if I'm wrong about something, please let me know. Yeah. Like, like I'm a proficient beastmaster. I'm an expert at the job, but even experts get things wrong sometimes. I make mistakes too. For example, my life. Right. And there you go. There you go. I'm doing this. Obviously, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And I chose a cranberry juice instead of a beer. Yeah, in, uh, mistakes well, were made. You know, I think the reason you mess up tickling tendrils is because of the uh, cranberry juice. Too much cranberry. That's true. So the meta. That is the topic today, and this is going to be a little more free-flowing as we've already started off, but I wanted to address not only our caller, but the, you know, now that we've asked people to send us things, we're going to get into the person that emailed us because it directly, fortunately, ties into the meta conversation too. In this particular instance, it involves Ranger and how people don't look at Ranger the same way they look at other DDs, especially, anyway, we'll get into that later. But we got lucky. It's a good example. It is a good example. It, it, the guy wants a ranger episode, which will one day probably eventually be a thing. Maybe if we have a ranger expert, which would have to come forward and come on as a guest. No pressure. Yeah, I'm just a ranger, and I'm a geared ranger, but I'm not like the best ranger. So forty nine for me, baby. Forty nine. Yeah, <laughs> forty nine, man. I used scavenge once. Yeah, how'd that go? 
I think I didn't get anything because it was before the changes to scavenge. It's unfortunate, man. Yeah, it's a tough world. So I think when people hear meta, which is a term that I personally don't like because it was coined the verbiage after after the fact here, it's the path of least resistance. That's something that's existed in 11, and frankly, it exists in all facts of life. It's a term of balancing, though, obviously, which is part of my problem with it. It's not a balancing act. It's a race to the bottom. But meta, when people say that, generally you think of a summoner burn or some other method of just absolutely cheesing or, or mollywopping something. Just applying hyperbuff DD to situations. And, and we've talked about this in the past, too. Like I'm, I, I've actually come out and like talked about hyperbuffing stuff and how a lot of content is pretty trivial because we have the ability to do that. And that's because the game has progressed to a point where it enables us to. There's not much more to it than that. Um, so when I look at meta, and like we spent some time trying to define that before we got on here. Uh, but when I look at meta, I just see it as a reasonable approach to content where you're trying to min-max your buffs and just trying to minimize the amount of um, headaches or hardships that you receive. And usually that's in the form of, uh, of damage or, or like debuffs, those sort of things. But if you notice in my definition of it, it doesn't really talk about the job. And that's because the meta shouldn't be about the job that's there. It should be about the results of your, of your concoction, your, your, your mix of what's providing the buffs and debuffs you need to conquer that content. And since we've said it in previous episodes, but I'll say it again for those who are not hip with the lingo here, the uh, most effective, uh, the most effective tactic available. Good job, me is the most commonly accepted term for meta here. So, yeah, throughout history of the game, it's been throw black mages at it. Divine might be an example. Throw black mages at it. We'll win it, you know, because you couldn't really have a smooth time of doing it any other way which is, you know, how it's always been a point of the game. There's certain things that you come up against, and rather than try and bang your head against the wall and come on the other side, people go, okay, what's well, the easiest way we can not try? Yeah, and that's, that's definitely kind of a, a, a smarmy approach looking at it too, but it's not necessarily wrong. Uh, that's my problem. Be, well, yeah, but meta shouldn't be strictly that, though. It, it shouldn't have that extra bit attached to it. Like there should be a most efficient tactic available, but it doesn't mean that that should be the only thing we go for because we want that path of least resistance. I mean, after all, we're we're playing a game. Like there are other tactics that are available, but just because it's not the most efficient, I, I feel that we're shooting ourselves in the foot by ruling out everything else because it isn't necessarily the high end best. And efficient or effective, I guess they could be looked in the same way, but efficient would definitely change the topic to what's the fastest way to do it. And it's often not the fastest way to do it. So I just figured effective was the the, the way there. Yeah. The the most the the most efficient or the fastest way to do things is generally to just hyper buff DDs and allow them to Hulk smash something. Like that's it's not always a matter of speed too. Efficiency could be simply not losing the fight. Right, exactly. And I, I think when we look at meta, we want to try to take it from the lens of approaching the content itself and how to overcome it, rather than automatically assuming that X combination of, uh, of jobs is always going to get the job done. Because there's so many ways to skin content nowadays that all you really have to do is make sure you're checking the boxes of are we PDF cap? Do we have haste cap? 
Are we mitigating um, incoming side effects that could slow RDD down? Are we mitigating um, debuffs or situations where the, the tank cannot hold hate or other things that would cause melees to die? Um, those are really just the things we're solving for when it comes to approaching any content in this game. So my problem with the meta, since I'll give a non-snarky answer, a lot of the times when I get snarky <laughs> answers, everyone, yes, that's part of my personality, but it's because I'm just simplifying something I'm thinking out so I don't have to take a long-winded response and get bogged down right. in a in a ideological fight because I'll, so get, the, I'll the get sucked in. So yeah, my problem, go ahead, Fox, before I keep going. Oh no, no, you're good. I was just, I was just saying that, yeah, that's that's why I point that out is because I'll ramble on about the same thing, and you could have probably said it better, but in less words by by far. I try to Helen Keller it. <laughs> anyway, um, I find it to be a reductive sort of logic to the absurd in a way that people promote ideas that is counterintuitive to the community being involved, successful, happy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, effectively, it creates a branding of sorts. You know, summoner is the Levi's jeans of strategies. I only wear Levi's when I do my my ionic <laughs> weapons. Anything else just isn't as good. No, nah, they're jeans. Get over it. But it's populism. And it creates, when we're talking, Fox said a vocal minority before the episode. And yeah, it, it, it's populism that creates a vocal minority in the game that's disenfranchised from participating. So when we had this episode about Beastmaster and Fox says, I just want to play my favorite job again, he should have no problem playing that job. Just because Beastmaster might not have the max ceiling of DPS that a warrior, you know, samurai, dark knight, etc. may have, is no reason that you can't bring it and do just as well, if not better, than the average superior DD, and so on. There's a lot more to justify than just, ah, well, it's the caveman approach. It, 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 it's, it's essentially everything comes down to a caveman approach, and that's my problem with it outside of populism. I'm very anti-populist. Let me, let me use a different approach to that, too, because I'm not, I'm not saying that it, like, if, I go, if I show up on Beastmaster, I should automatically be included in all the DD strats forever, because it's not true. Like that's why there's a variety of jobs. So I'll use um, Unafraid of the Dark, the the master trial as an example. Uh, I would never bring these master to Unafraid of the Dark, and the reason for that is there's just a better method of just bringing a warrior to it or a ninja. Both of those jobs will fulfill the the damage type requirements better than a Beastmaster will. Even though Beastmaster can bring debuffs to the table or even be able to hold mobs on pets if there's some sort of weird problem or or anything like that, you're still going to get a better outcome if you bring a warrior instead. Uh, that's not to say that the Beastmaster can't be the DD in there, but I would even personally lean towards trying to bring that warrior, but it doesn't mean that I would uninclude the Beastmaster. It just means that I personally would not bring my Beastmaster master because i know that there's better options and i can fill a different role instead yes and i think something that needs to be cut off here at the knees is the idea that when we're talking about i want to be able to play Beastmaster again it's not that we want to be snowflakes or this or that and do things just because that's what we want to do who free spirit it's because mechanics should be more exclusionary than players creating a false narrative you can take a rune fencer, a blue, a warrior, and those are better jobs than Unafraid of the Dark because, you know, rune fencer can use the low toxic mix or whatever it is. And they, they have other damage forms they can pull out there and they're more effective in that scenario, especially at holding their own when it comes to 
you know, Rune Fencer is going to do better defensively without taking as much blue mage the same than being, oh, you know, I just want to take beast because I can. No, mechanics should exclude people. It shouldn't be players being like, Beastmaster is not good enough to join this party, or I don't want to take a ranger or a dancer because I'd rather have XYZ. And they're missing the point of the job's value. Usually the common argument, you know, to be the devil's advocate for a second, is that people don't want to take that risk because you never know what you're going to get out of the grab bag of players trying to join your party. So what do you what do you think about that that kind of sentiment? It's the same as people not wanting to use the wiki to figure things out. Yeah, I, I can actually agree with that. I, I think it's, you know, not taking a chance on someone who's bringing one of these obscure jobs to the table is actually kind of a disservice to the community as a whole. Because you, you, you can't figure out things that are better or like try to blaze new ways of playing this 20-year-old game uh, without at least trying to do it, to, to use these jobs. And the thing is, is if someone's going to be confident enough to approach a party and say, yeah, my dancer is an awesome damage dealer. Guys, it really is. Um, that person probably has quite a bit invested in it, and they're probably going to do an okay job since they didn't just go down the path of least resistance and just pick yet another Dark Knight or Samurai and say that, hey, you know, I, I Torque Leave or, or Fudo with the best of them. Like they've actually <laughs> put some, they've, they have a higher chance of actually putting real passion into the job to make it stand out as opposed to the person who bought the job out of the box which is what we see a lot of nowadays. Be all the bard that you can be, Fox. <laughs> be all the bard you can be. That should be a t-shirt. Okay, yeah. So it's not just that, too. People don't know what other jobs do because when everyone's focusing on this job, this job, and that job, you don't get exposure to. Or I mean, frankly, I don't know about all the other jobs as well as I should because I ain't got time for that, which a lot of people don't. But there's a certain level of... When someone asks to join a party for Ambuscade or something, and it's not the job you want, and they justify it as, I can do this or that, a lot of people won't even bother inviting it still, because like, no, I asked for Samurai. It's like, you don't need Samurai, okay? But... A lot of the times, the people who are just adamant like that don't even know why they're asking for Samurai. When it comes... And and it's okay to copy-paste things to an extent, but it doesn't really help how you know the depth of how well you know the game. Because, yeah, that person only getting a samurai that fits a a particular condition will probably pass that content. But it doesn't help them deal with that content should something like that not be available. And that's that's where we're kind of we're seeing a lot of shortcomings in the game, I guess. Yes. And we didn't want to make this episode a whole bitch fest, but I still don't see how it won't be. So I'm going to going to go a 180 here on the same topic and go a lot of these people that don't want these jobs or don't know about them or don't care or or don't make strategies surrounding any of these things they're the most vocal people in the game generally the ones making the link shells running them making shouts murking etc etc what they're doing is basically the ikea of 11 where (laughs) hey everyone says this job is really good i'm going to use this job because it can do this content i've seen other people do it okay someone said how here's how i should gear this job i'm going to do this this and this i got the gear now oh someone made a a lua i'm going to take someone else's lua i'm going to put the gear that someone else told me to put in it and i'm going to run at the content and a strategy i didn't come up with that other people came up with and i'm just replicating and hey and i'm the coolest guy in the game and i've conquered all the content i have all the weapons look at me and then they tend to talk shit and it's basically the ikea approach you have a house full of furniture but it's really not good furniture and it may work but it's really not impressive looks great on a magazine cover though oh yes it does 
You know, I was actually talking to a guy um, before I came on this podcast. It's actually I was late to our uh, our sound check for you. Um, yeah, we do have sound check. Um, we have to, otherwise, we're going to record episodes again. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, he's a, he's actually a, he's a career summoner. I'm not going to mention any names because I I never like to mention. Names. Is it fraud? And uh, it's not fraud. Is it purgatory? And uh, so the guys the guys a career summoner said he has been since like 2005. And um, in in the link shell that that I'm speaking about, I have kind of a stigma where where people think I hate summoner, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. It's just I, I hate what people do with summoner when it, when it comes to the meta, so the stuff that we're talking about. And he made a pretty good point actually, where he said that he thinks that people just want their job to be considered the job that does the most damage. Like like they they just want to be the guy, and they want their job to be the guy, and I think that's actually true. It is. You see a lot of people gearing for DDs and caring about the numbers that pop out. And that that's cool. Like you should be proud of, of what you do. Uh, you should always be proud of, of the things you do in anything. It, it can even be something as stupid as a game like Final Fantasy 11. But you should take pride in things. Um, it's actually healthy too, as long as you don't go too far. Um, but the guy kind of nailed it. Um, with so many people building these DDs and you know gearing them to only do damage and to fill that that role and check that box that people who shout look for, um, it uh, it basically just kind of perpetuates the, the same thing over and over again. And these people want to be validated for the work that they put into it. They they want their job to be the best job. So a lot of times they have no reason to go against the grain because they've become justified in their actions like I, it just got me thinking talking to that guy and he makes a very good point and it was honestly vanadil's worst kept secret because if you look at any job suggestion thread from the start of the game until now it was always someone who loved the job a lot but they weren't yeah. being uh let's say conservative and how much they love it and they want to be the best they want this that you can even look at even more recently there was that paladin thread not too long ago in auction house where Oh, here's how you fix Paladin. It was like, okay, here's how you break Paladin. It goes back to, to the sort of things that I don't really understand. Because like, I can have pride in the jobs that I play and not have to be the guy that wins the parse or anything like that. Like, I, I actually don't care about those things. The, the fact that I'm able to do it means that I guess that I'm doing something right. But it's not the end-all be-all. Like, I, I, I want the job to fit into what we're doing because I enjoy playing the job. And I want to prove to people that the job is awesome, not that myself is awesome. So it's going to take a I, bit of armchair philosophy. Uh, I don't want to say philosophizing, yeah. but it's not. If I could say the word properly, it's going to take a bunch of armchair reasoning here to go on the limb and say that we live in an age of rabid individualism and people are more insecure about themselves on average, I'd say, than in the recent past or not too recent past. And those things, along with an online atmosphere, egos, etc., all combined into that sort of cocktail of people kind of going overboard with that I want to be the guy thing. For anyone who's ever talked to me during events, um, they've probably heard, heard me make a passing comment about relating daddy's love to the parse. And <laughs> I think I've even said it on the last episode. Too, I love it. Or, or a recent episode. But the, the reason I say that is because people are too caught up in trying to be the guy Approval. rather than just enjoying playing the game yeah like like they like being validated somehow makes everything that you've done matter when really it should just matter because you're proud of the work that you put into something and with everyone being as powerful as they are in the game now 
like having people believe that there's only one way to attack a strategy is just completely ridiculous. It should be very apparent that that's the case. Almost all jobs can do crazy amounts of damage. It's just a matter of how much work the person wants to put into that job to make it do that. So crazy amounts of damage are 15 weapons, which no one in this game should ever shout for. If you're shouting for it, there's something wrong on your end. It should be a bonus, not a limiter. Yes, they are post any meaningful content. They have come out after all the content that is involved in even making them, any any end game that's current, and they are not, they're just gravy. There's nothing there that should ever be criteria for being in any group, any link shell, any anything. The R15 is there to... Yes, help certain jobs, some balance certain weapons, whether Mythic's got more damage versus other ones to help them catch up. It was more of a balancing act for the weapons than anything. It wasn't supposed to be, oh, this is the new tier of what you need, and people need to stop getting on that, because oftentimes it's not even the best weapon, R15 or not. There's times when using an ambuscade weapon is better than using one of those. Yeah, um, Ninja is the number one job that comes to my mind when that comes up. Um using a nagling over other options is almost always superior. And I, I, I spent an episode talking about how Ninja can do other stuff too. So don't think that just because I advocate one thing means it's the end all be all. This game is fortunate in its flexibility and approach to things. Um, just because one thing is technically the best in most situations doesn't mean it always is. To me, my first thought is in my own wheelhouse, which is a very small house. <laughs> four, five jobs, four jobs, five jobs, five jobs, something like that. Um, it doesn't matter. At any rate, my first thought was Thief with Torret. If you are attack-starved using that with Evisceration, the only thing you could compare it to, obviously it's going to come down to the skill chain uh, elements here of fusion versus uh, gravitation with Evisceration versus Mendelik Stab, is an R15 Vajra because that's it has to have rank on it to surpass using Torret in my opinion. And at that point, you look at it and go, well, why would I want to make an R15 Vajra that I'm only using in this situation when I could just make this weapon in an hour and be done? Yeah. Yeah. And like when it comes to when it comes to R15s overall, um, we, we've we've also talked at length about parse padding and things like that. Like, at, at what point does your damage stop being relevant to the content? And I like to use Dyna D as a situation because it's a, it's an endgame event that, you know, kind of sets a bar for how you should perform as a DD, you know, that sort of thing. And a lot of the time, you're still going to one-shot things without an R15 weapon. As long as you're, you're, you're geared properly and, and then your party approaches it with the right buffs and everything. So there's... Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's a lot of situations where doing the kind of damage that an R15 would do, like the difference is is small to the point where it's not applying to all the content that's in front of you a lot of the time. It, uh, the, the only other argument I can see is like, maybe if you're trying to like DD burn Albumin, but honestly, you know, or any other Rising Jima Helm, but honestly, we're at the point where the, even that content explodes when you touch it. Yeah, that, it, that was never a problem before R15s, especially in the face of more modern gear. It wasn't hard to do if you had the right setups and everything. That's the way I always did it. Yeah. Not that I was the best, but... Well, buffs make the world go round. I, yes. I've always advocated buffs. Um, buffs, then your gear focus then your rima like the the rima is less important than these other two things and i've said that in at least the blue guide where it's 
stop worrying about making Tizona. You need to have a gear set. You need to have your everything lined up first before you sit there and, and start going, okay, now I'm going to work on the weapon. Because people make the weapon before the armor. And it's, as I was going to yeah. say before, it it's a matter of your buffs, your gear, your understanding. Because using, yeah, it may be better to use this R15 or that R15 versus this R0, that R0 in the situation you're in. But more importantly, overall, there's more important things to a fight. Uh, you know, evading certain moves with having the right DT set on, Malignant's being a perfect example. It may not be as good of a DD set, but depending on the content you're facing and what your group's being hit with, if you're not getting paralyzed or if you're living, amnesia. I mean, it's things like that, those amnesia especially. Say you're fighting Shah and a melee group and you get am you don't want to be amnesiaed. That's going to make you pull out ahead, stun against Water of Courage. If those are the difference between... Obviously, you could have a Geo and other things helping you avoid those things. It's not necessary to do that. Then want to give that impression you need to do that. But overall, if you're doing that and you're more sturdy and, and you're not trying to bum rush your DPS as the best DPS set, so says the guide, then that's a better tactic than having any sort of weapon or anything because everything else depends on all the other circumstances, your buffs and everything else you're tackling with. If, if it's better to make a skill chain with someone and you're just spamming something that's not making a skill chain, uh, it doesn't matter how much damage you're doing if you're missing out on more damage than you would have done that someone else with another weapon could have done. And you know, uh, in Shaw of War and Warder of Courage are actually really good examples of content um, that you provided there because they're not only content that is very commonly summoner burned, um, but it's also content where there actually is a true time limit within the actual time limit itself. Because you get like 30 minutes to kill these things. That's neat. But uh, there's mechanics within the fight that where there's like time limits that you also have to overcome. So having DDs that are able to maximize their DPS, not just because of the raw damage that they can put out, but the fact that they're always going to be there to do it are extremely important for fights like this. And I, I think without being able to have that piece available, um, I think a lot of people will result to using jobs like summoners and stuff, thinking that's the only way to do it because they get to avoid stuff. Uh, they they get to avoid that. They're that, bypassing yeah. mechanics. Yeah, they're they're bypassing mechanics. Yeah, I just had a stroke or something. Um, they're they're bypassing mechanics, and I think people are stuck in the mindset that we still need to bypass mechanics that way because our, our gear has progressed to the point where where we don't. Standing up strong to the mechanics as a way of bypassing them is a lot easier than people give it credit for. And there's a reason yeah. that Rune Fencer with Lionheart, although the reputation seems to be fading, thankfully as like yeah. the best DD in the game <laughs> when it's not is because rune fencer at a time now we're getting more i mean i don't think we've gotten a better magic evasion food than miso ramen but we're getting better gear buffs are getting stronger on average think, and, and uh, this and that rune was using its runes to avoid stun on water of courage and therefore win the parse because you were never exactly. stunned i mean it wasn't the best dd it was just attacking things in a DD set while having magic evasion properties that wasn't being hindered by amnesia or stun or petrify and other stuff you could hit with. And let's look at it this way. Um, malignance for light armor DDs and the vault set for um, for your heavy DDs has kind of put that, that difference to bed where those options weren't really available to a, a hybrid set. Um, before, and now that they are and they're a bit more prominent, people are, are, are starting to overshadow what rune fencer could have done with the lion heart before that and so people I, I just wear full be malignance because they have it <laughs> yeah and that's not always the best way either it's not um i guess it's knowing the the content but uh it, it, it just kind of depends on what job 
you're on and what the situation calls for. Really. CPing on Thief a couple times now against <laughs> the Hounds and Inner Rakaznar with the first time without Bar Blizzard and Bar Para. Three pieces of malignants on Thief was enough to resist pretty much every time without bar spells. So wearing a full set is just robbing yourself at that point. Yeah, if you guys don't know about that camp yet, um, it's really one to look at. Uh, like, I would love to see people like start CPing their jobs more nowadays instead of just buying the JP because it, it provides that community experience where people get to work together and like actually get to experience what these jobs do together. And when you go out to that camp, if you have the right setup, just hitting, uh, have your bard hit a carol and keep that fifth song up as a carol, by the way. Um, using Carol 1 for Ice Carol and uh, having a, a White Mage do Bar Blizzard and Bar Paralyze will take care of almost all of the issues that you have uh, with any kind of paralysis. That's a set I would advocate wearing a hybrid set full time. And if that happens to be malignant, you don't even need the Carol. But that's going to depend on the whole group. Yeah, I have to add that camp to the Apex camp or the Fantastic EXP page on BG as one of the camps down there because it's really good. 1380 yep. accuracy capture, which isn't really hard to hit. It's a matter of that's a camp you don't want to run into just willy nilly. You have to be, you have to have actually CP'd beforehand. But I was there two days ago to finish my thief off. I needed 200, 350 job points, and we got about 250 job points in an hour. I mean, that's, that's real good. Oh, God. It was, it was, we're, we're getting, it was, it wasn't even an incredible setup. It was thief, thief. Core, core, uh, bard, bard. <laughs> I have mastered so many jobs at that camp. I mastered ranger out there, beastmaster. Uh, I think I mastered my bard out there. Uh, like basically, I go there every time I get the opportunity to. It's just those opportunities are becoming farther and farther between because nobody does that anymore. Like people just go buy their JP and AFK overnight. I understand AFKing is an appeal, but if even if you were getting half that, a hundred job points an hour while playing and. You could leave after an hour, but I mean, 250 in, in an hour when I was at 1700. So, and I have all the yeah. CP buffs and stuff, but we were getting 66k a kill. There's no reason you have to, yeah, the, the rate that is one. absurd and it's free. <laughs> like, it's it's like it's it's the actual fastest CP in the game. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, people need, need, really need to look into doing it. And now that camp's always going to be full. Well, and that's actually a good thing because there's a ton of camps out there. There's, there's, it's not just pox hounds. Everything out skeletons there skeletons for monks. Beyond, yeah. And another benefit of actually CPing at that camp is people will be able to gauge their gear better. Kind of like the progression we used to have at the '75 era, where um, when you move to these new camps, like you wanted to have the better gear to be able to hit things. It, it, it kind of exists with this camp, so to speak, because it's more relevant to like your ambuscade content because you want to hit similar accuracies versus VD. And like, it, it's very similar in how you'll be expected to perform during like a VD ambuscade. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of people struggling to have the confidence to go up against that content. So if, if people actually CP in a place that would actually mirror that experience, I think a lot of people would get quite a bit out of it experience wise. And sorry, we had a geo it wasn't two bards. Like we had two bards. It was a geo core. It wasn't because I've it's, okay. my next thing I want to get into here too. I was thinking about it as Idris, and I'm like, wait, we had a Geo, so it was Thief, Thief, Geo, <laughs> Core, Bard, Bard. But anyway, that's obviously before that we had a Paladin healing as as one of the party members giving a Holy Circle. So there's another meta defying element. No, no one healing but a Paladin who's not even fighting; he's just healing and using Holy Circle on the whole party as a way of boosting. Me. The story Rumoko tells about me and how he like learned to want to be a beast master involves that camp too, where 
I actually proved to him that a Paladin and a Beastmaster can just one-shot the highest level CP mobs in the game with like single with a single skill chain and just move on to the next. And he didn't believe it was possible going into it. But if people just go out on a limb and actually like gear these jobs to perform well and allow people to play them when they're passionate about doing so, you'd be surprised at the results that you can achieve. And that, that's why I always say every job in this game is a DD because everyone can do damage. It's not special now, but being able to approach the content, content appropriately can lead to real phenomenal results. And that's so kind of what that story is. The Poxhound here is going to be inadvertently the perfect microcosm to talk about the meta and, and break it down to something understandable on a small term without explaining it to the whole game because we could focus on this one yeah. thing. You don't need to bring Warrior, Dark Knight, Samurai, the best DDs in the game, to do pox sounds. Two thieves will do. But you don't need to bring a white mage just to heal that group. You could take a scholar, especially, would be even better. But you could take a paladin. You could take something that also has other utility to the party. Holy Circle helps reduce damage taken as well, and besides increasing it. You can take yeah. other jobs. You could take a dancer. You don't have to take a geo there. You could take a red mage, a dancer, take a beast. I mean... And those all will net you great CP, and the amount of CP an hour at that point, besides your bonuses, is going to come straight down to pure DPS and pulling speed, and that's not what it's about. At that point, you're just kind of trying to really push the needle past. You've already accomplished the whole thing, and that's, that's exactly what I think the entire way we're getting at it over and over again is going to come back to, is you don't need to push the needle sometimes. You just need to be a cohesive group with a, some sort of a planned understanding of what you're doing. Yeah, and while we're talking about meta as a focus for this episode, it's not to say that, that Apex Foxhounds are the meta. It's just, <laughs> I see a lot of people who are unsure about how to approach the topic of the meta that I wanted to provide something that a new person could use as, as a gauge. Because a lot of times people don't know how to make that jump between, you know, being fresh item level 119 and then jumping up and being like the man who does the damages. And I think more experience with, with um, middling or, or intermediate things like this is beneficial because then you can see the actual benefit of your gear progressing uh, as opposed to just shooting towards the end and hoping that this one set works. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I see a lot of the time. Like people will have a single set that does X thing and they really need to be tiered or you at least need to look into, you know, the, di the different flavors of how to play your job. That DT sets. Especially, yeah. it's always okay. I have a DT set, and you look at like, let's say it's a warrior. You'll look at them, and they're just wearing the ring. the the ambuscade plus two. They're just wearing that set, and it's like, dude, that's not no. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know the Solivia set, it does come with a lot of DT on it, and it's generic DT, which is good. I'm not going to get into how the different flavors work and all that stuff, but it, it's good that that DT exists. The downside, though, is that it doesn't do much for you resisting anything. And I'm not going to say that most heavy that armor doesn't drop everything. Right. Most heavy armor doesn't. You have to get used to that with those jobs. Like, I'm not saying that, that the, the benchmark should be everyone roll into Windhurst right now, Dynamics Windhurst, and get the Volt set because it's going to be available to you. That's only for like, three that, jobs in Windhurst, though. Otherwise, I got to go to Juno. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you should that 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 gear should be on your radar, but it shouldn't ever make you feel like you need it for an event. The body from but Alexander should be in there. The body from Alexander, yeah, the Sakura breastplate that should be in there in a set. Yeah, and, and you know, not wearing just the Salivia plus two body. I guess what I'm getting at is that it should be on your radar, but it shouldn't be required. Like I think it falls into the R15 category because, like, before all of this stuff was big, 
like wearing like the high magic evasion, we were still able to do content the the way that we're describing anyway, like without summoners or without, you know, um, I'm in an LS that has specifically never done this stuff with summoners. And like, we've been doing it the same way for almost four years. Um, there's it, the, the stuff that we look for nowadays when it comes to the meta is just a bonus. It's just a way to make it easier than before, but it, it shouldn't ever exclude anybody. Like I, when, I, when I'm talking about the stuff, I'm not telling you to run to Winters and try to get the full volt set for your heavy armor jobs because that's completely unreasonable, but you should at least have it on your radar to know that that's where you can improve and make these events even easier to tackle. Well, what I'm talking about in this case, it's not the difference between the R15 and the R0. It's not the difference between having the best DD gear set. It's a DT set. And by wearing full Salivia and nothing else, you've now not capped depending on your job. You're not capped delay because you're not capping even gear haste. You didn't look at any other pieces you could have. You just took whatever you had and threw it on and didn't do anything and go, here we go. You didn't even count your DT. You didn't make any... I mean, we're not talking about min-maxing a DT set perfectly. I'm talking about right. someone throwing whatever they have with zero thought into it and going, okay, I have a DT set, hit my macro. And if you're doing Apex Pockhounds, there's going to be a big difference between having, let's say, 20 to 30 DT in a set that is actually letting you cap delay or or do a lot more or have the accuracy or kill and fight or skill chain more rapidly. There's a big difference between that and just I threw on a DT set. That's the only thing I have. I have no hybrid. That's that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Because I, I was actually gonna mention also that it's not feast or famine. Like you don't need to cap fifty percent DT yes. at all times. That's a big thing too, as everyone thinks a DT set is just capping DT. It's not. Yeah, I only tend to when I don't have to sacrifice that many things to do so. But that's that's years of experience of of optimizing sets that, that allows me to approach a job that way. Like I never expect that from someone right out the gate. But making the attempt to have like thirty percent is pretty reasonable because that's defending ring plus your cape plus you know some random pieces of gear, like maybe even just a single piece of Celevia. Pretty much. Maybe it comes from your weapon. You know, it, it just depends on the job and, and what you're looking at. Valorous but body having, and legs have 4% right there. Ammo. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't need to cram everything and, in. You can leave the rest of the gear the same. And I don't want to minimize the 20% that you're missing either. Like You will still take a very substantial hit, but it's not going to leave you actual dead a majority of the time. Like If you're if you're approaching like D-content in Ambuscade or N-content in Ambuscade, which is a perfectly reasonable grind for people who just aren't there yet to do VD, like, don't be ashamed of that. Learn the content. Go have fun with the game. Um, but in VD, yeah, you probably want to lean more towards having, you know, 40 to 50%, 50% most of the time, because the mobs just hit you that hard. It, but then it also depends on your buffs, too. Are you approaching this with, you know, Geo Wilt or uh, Geo Fade or, or, or anything that's going to reduce incoming damage? Like, are, are you fortunate enough to be able to incorporate that into your strategy? There's, there's a lot of things that come into play when it comes to building these. And I think VD is another idea and another example of how people take the idea of wanting the best and not settling for less. VD should be yeah. the goal of your group you're in as a whole and whether it's more efficient or you're more capable of doing it. If you're going into VD and taking a lot longer than if you're doing D, if you're losing certain runs, this and that, then you shouldn't be doing VD. Yeah, yeah. using a seal there gives you the most points and you wouldn't want to waste your seal on D. But there's nothing shameful in doing D. If that's what's right for your group and you get changes later and you're really destroying D, you can go on to VD. But everyone just kind of puts themselves in the box of there is only VD ambuscade. To do anything less is weakness, and I don't want to engage in being weak. When I came back to this game, uh, uh, I spent a good year and a half doing nothing but normal ambuscades. 
Uh, I didn't have the luxury of going to a VD Ambuscade until I was in LOL Lockstock. And the reason is because we didn't have people in the shell I was in who were capable of having the minimum gear to be able to, to do those events. And even then, when I joined Lockstyle, I was primarily a white mage. Um, I spent most of my time healing. And because I had DT sets as a white mage, and I have a, a somewhat responsive time on, on getting status cures off people, I'm not the best. Uh, it allowed me to do VD. I'm I'm honestly fortunate, but I'm never above things like N or D. Uh, I think that those are, are good building blocks for people being in, to be able to learn content, and they should absolutely do it. And then that's why people pay for Ambu, so they can skip right to doing the harder <laughs> runs instead of doing it for a year. You don't have to do it for a year and a half, but n anyone who thinks they won't have to do N Ambuscade as a newer player gearing up is kidding themselves, because you don't just get to skip every step. You may have been burned all the way up, you may have bought all the job points, you may have bought the account of the gear, but you have to work not only as and in, in for gearing yourself but as building up how you tackle situations how you respond to things what you even know the mob's doing there's a lot that goes into the entire package here and if you think you're not going to scrounge around and just going to run right to the finish line then it's just not going to happen and that's why the problems we have is because people go i need an idris geo so that i can do the hardest content when it's not true you're just compensating you're being carried by someone else. You're you're adding. You're you're trying to add R15s to your group, not because you need them, but because your group's not capable of wholly tackling what you're doing, and you're dragging everyone else into the problem. And that's we see all these yells all the time for everything. It's been perpetuated yeah. based on people who really want it all, but don't. They haven't earned it. They don't deserve it. No one deserves anything. I mean, they have not put forth the proper level of effort to be at that level. And they're kind of just hanging around at the party, but they didn't bring any chips and dip or beer. <laughs> That's fair. Um, as an Idris Geo, um, I can definitely say that an Idris is not required for content that people shop for. In fact, most of the time, the bubble you're providing from an Idris Geo isn't even the optimal bubble that could be requested. And we, we, we talked about this before the show today. Um, most of the time, the benefit of bringing a geo, especially an Idris geo to a group, isn't just so you can throw out frailty and whatever bubble the, the rest of the group doesn't even care that you're using. Cause I see that requested for me a lot. They'll be like, use frailty and, uh, I fury. guess other bubble. Uh, oh, I almost never give fury. Um, like I'll, I'll usually do dealer's choice if they're stumbling like that, but what you want to look for in jobs like that, that can provide these unique buffs is buffs that will enhance your survivability and up your dps through other indirect means like making sure people don't get enfeebled um, i'm a huge fan of using wilter fade in conjunction with vex um, i think that that adds a lot to a group and if your group is built correctly um, you actually have other jobs that can buff you towards your pdf cap um, a lot of people overlook the, the potency of df3 being you know light shot along with uh, any of the other defense down effects that you can provide in conjunction with chaos roll, uh, you know, especially since you should be crookeding your your percentage based rolls, crooked chaos is really dumb. It does a lot of really strong things. So when you combine all these things together, a lot of times you're hitting attack cap and you don't need that frailty. That's yes, there. correct. Um, but the, the meta usually wants the interest because they're like, man, I want that frailty and you're going to bog it or better yet, you're going to bolster it. And we are going to fap all over this mob <laughs> and we're going to make sure that this mob knows what's up because, you know, we're now buffed to the point where our damage is crazy. And, and you actually don't need that much. It's just 
a lack of understanding from the group leader. Um, you should be asking for these things because they serve a purpose, not because you think you need it for content X because you've seen other people bring it for content X. Everyone use your seal before the money shot. <laughs> yeah, it gives you that bonus. Fap all over the mob. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, what else is it? So yes, to me, to, to further illustrate what Fox was saying, I agree with completely. To me, the value of an Idris is not in frailty. That's the least valuable part of an Idris. It is in attunement, vex, fade, fend. I mean, any. it's in those sort of things. Even if you're doing something really wonky, it may even be in geovoidance. But that's the real value yeah. of it. it. It's not, you don't need that extra, especially when you're bolstering. There's no reason you can't take a plus six or a plus seven if they're really wealthy without Idris. That's, that's a weird one. Yeah. A plus six geo and do Pretty much, unless you're really relying on uh, Tumen or something, and do or will just the same that you would have done, and you wouldn't even know it because your group set up properly. And the problem is, people approach making their groups based off of not, you know, okay, we need frailty, we can't give that up. Okay, we need the best frailty we can get instead of basing it on, okay, well, we can cap attack with this red mage this Corsair doing light shot and this dancer or whatever and, and, and do this or that you don't, I mean, that's not even a great example. I'm just spitballing things, but you don't need yeah. to go that instead of approaching it is what I'm getting at. Instead of approaching it as, okay, well, if we run with attunement and we don't have this problem, we don't need fury because we already have enough attack and we're, we're close enough to capping anyway, then they're, they're not focusing around the geo being the glue of the group Okay, so people don't... Because when you go to fight Odin, no one ever really uses barrier unless it's a mechanic like, oh, uh, Odin's attack's too high. We need to use wilt and barrier so we don't die. The good old days of fighting Odin? Well, no, no, the new the new fight. Um, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Zensuk and X. There's already a good old days approach. Like, nobody does barrier anymore. But, example, troll, troll Ambuscade, if you have a rune fencer there, because uh, a paladin's not going to die if they're set up right. If you're not using Wilt, and that's the difference between Head Snatch taking you to 1 HP and Phalanx, and a good Phalanx set on the Rune Fencer with Apple Tree taking zero damage from the additional trolls, so that you don't just die from a random troll hitting you for seven damage because you didn't use Wilt and or Barrier, that's the difference between the run going uh, according to plan and not being a struggle, and an extra five minutes added to the run because, oh, tank's down, okay, people are, you know, running around in circles. I mean, all you had to do was just, you let's didn't need the, the fury or frailty. Well, let, let's evaluate the meta on that that one, too, because I think that's where a lot of things get lost. In that particular situation... Hang on, my dog's barking. Okay, so in that particular... Seriously. It's okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so, I hopefully you can't hear that, but dog was barking. You might not when it's edited. Alrighty, so what I'm getting at is that that's where you want to evaluate the group setup. Because I saw a lot of people running Scholar um, for their the high regen uh, for that one. So that way the tick could come through and save someone's life uh, when they got head seized. But honestly, if you have a good white mage and they're just cure skinning people, that's usually enough, especially for your tank. Because your tank, even if they're not taking zero, are probably taking 20 or less. And with a, a, a potent cure skin it's probably long enough that their regen four is going to take, or you're going to be able to hit, uh, um, uh, what you call it. But yeah, but the the skin also dog. factors into the Wilt and barrier too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's there's other ways of mitigating it, though. And I, yeah. I think that's one of the things that gets lost when you approach the most efficient tactic available is that depending on your, your composition, you can achieve the same result. You can just do it in a different way. So do we want to go into our viewer email here since we're talking about jobs and how yeah. they're excluded? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, because we kind of got into the weeds and I do want to bring it back yeah, to yeah. the actual meta. But we're itself. talking about jobs. I'm going back into trying to go into geo here. We're trying to bring it back since we're we're kind of just spitballing this whole episode. We had a few sort of topics in mind. We've already tackled all of those pretty much, but without the topics that bring us back, this is where we end up. So we always ask people we to email us with their... Outline. What was that? Sorry. We don't have punks sexy outline to keep the straight uh the outline does it the outline all right emails i don't even know what you're talking about there with you what is this outline thing when he outlined bard and there was like oh 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 you're talking about funk's outlines of the episode yeah. I, th- I literally thought you're talking about like the outlines of a, a picture or something like, what, do, what do you mean outlines <laughs> no. yes i'm talking specifically i about call it topics and stuff i never call it a formal outline yes outlines the correct word but i didn't think of it that. anyway so we always ask people to email us with their questions, comments, concerns, uh, whatever they're sending at our email, WTFMVanadeal at gmail.com. So our first email ever comes from Zatara of Lakshmi, and I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but to put it in a summary here, it ties into the meta episode here. Secondly, and more important to me, Ranger. Ranger to me is completely broken and lacks pulling, putting out any serious damage compared to all these death penalty Corsairs I see now. My Ranger is garbage. Compared to the Corsairs. I have decently geared, da-da-da-da, plus three, relic weapon maxed out, da-da-da, weapon, you know, gear sets. And I can't do this, this, that, compared to a Corsair in terms of damage. And my Link Shield doesn't want to take me, basically, is what he's getting at here. So, That's unfortunate. thank you, Zatara of Lakshmi, for being our first emailer here. Hopefully we get more people, you know, participating and we can include you and make you part of the whole experience here. But it helps with the episode. So, you want to tackle that one, Fox? Yeah, and... The the main thing, and this isn't me getting after the person sending that in. I'm actually really grateful that you did send that in because it just so happened to to help us with the meta episode. Um, but without context, it is something that is difficult to tackle. Um, the to say that a ranger isn't putting out good damage has a, a plethora of reasons why that would take place. And I and I do go as ranger um, quite a bit to things. Again, like I said before, I'm not the best ranger, but I know how to ranger and. Um, when it comes to damage, I, I can only assume that you're talking about true flight damage, and that may not be exclusively your fault. But that's not to say that you shouldn't look at what could be wrong on your end. Um, I, I believe your your email mentions the relic, uh, for example. Um, you said you have two relics, I think, in it. Um, yes, both it, relic I, weapons maxed out. I assume it's R15, okay. but... Okay, so those weapons aren't the most conducive to doing magic damage. Um, that's that's for certain. Um, Annihilator has a, a place, and it's actually my favorite web, go-to weapon on uh, Ranger, um, but you're not going to do the most magic damage with it. Um, that's not what it was actually created. Um, for magic damage, you're going to want a Fomalhaut, and you're also going to want a Gastrophetes if you can eventually get it. I probably butchered how that's actually pronounced, but Close the belly enough. bow. Yeah, um, you you want that crossbow if you want to really get serious about doing magic damage. In the meantime, though, the Fomalhaut is perfectly fine. And to an extent, even the TP bonus gun that's not eye level is perfectly fine. That's how I do it on Ranger. By, or not Ranger, but Corsair, by the way, when I have to one-shot stats or something. And I'm not the best Corsair either. Like, don't try to take that as, like, I do lots of damage. because I know he's not the best. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> right. 
But uh, when it comes to ranger, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of factors in there, especially when it comes to magic weapon skills, because they're not the weapon skills that people will buff for the most often, and they're also not the um, the weapon skills that your gear will intuitively tell you to gear for. So when you when you look at a physical DD, and I'm going to call a ranger a physical DD because a majority of their weapon skills do physical damage, even though it's range, it's range physical. Um, your artifact gear, um, your your relic gear, you'll, you'll see that there's usually like a key 10% weapon skill damage piece on there. And you'll notice that among that gear, you're going to see stats that matter. You're going to see some range accuracy, some range attack, but it, it's weird because you're not really going to see a lot in regards to the magic side of weapon skills. And that's the sort of thing that I'm talking about. It's it's it, it's a a weapon skill that kind of sta- that sticks out in a way where you have to be built around like you're a special flower in order for it to go off. So depending on how your link shell is approaching it, uh, they may not be providing the debuffs that allow your damage to sing. Um, a Corsair has an extra bonus in that content because they're either using a death penalty and getting that free. Uh, damage bonus of 30% to 49.8, I think, 49.5% bonus, depending if they're R0 to R15 to lead and salute. Um, or they're using a TP bonus gun and they're executing all weapon skills at 2K or 3K TP and they're one-shotting stuff. But they're also getting the additional bonus of having double dark weather in effect. So a Corsair, who's different from you because their artifact and relic gear, are, or really it's their relic gear, is aimed towards helping with their magic weapon skill, and it has weapon skill damage on it. Um, it's it's basically easier, is what I'm getting at, to be geared towards the kinds of situations that you were probably talking about, where you're you're talking about them one-shotting stats in uh, Dynamis, or finishing off the Paladin mobs, or just overall spamming Lead and Salute and trying to be, you know, the king of heroes. But um, King of heroes. Yeah. So, yeah so as soon as I heard your response, I'm like, oh, Fox wants to go with this one. And uh, I guess I was right there. I do. I do. And th- this is something that people ask a lot about, too. Um, the, the, the other problem could be your gear, too. And the, the magic damage formula is a lot more complicated than the physical damage formula. But you have to basically min-max how that works to get the most out of it, because there is far less things buffing your magic damage then there are buffing your physical damage. The the benefit to magic damage, though, is that almost everything is multiplier, which allows it to really soar when it's it, when everything aligns correctly. And that's what people capitalize on. And that's what you see when people talking about rangers busting out the 99999 damage when they're using true flights and stuff. It's because they are specifically geared for it, and their group is specifically allowing them to do it by having the right buffs involved. And So long-winded answer. But without context, it's hard to answer. So yes, context is always important. I imagine they might have also been talking about their physical weapon skills aren't as good, but then it also begs the question, if the core's using physical weapon skills, why are they using death penalty over their, you know, but it's, you can really get off in the weeds there. But the point is, Ranger has a great place in this game. It's not just shooting. It also definitely can throw on Nagling, K-Club. TP bonus and arrow and everything and and just savage play the hell of everything and it has a place in the front line to do that. There's absolutely yeah, a, a place to fit that way, not just it has the flexibility to stand back and shoot, especially if you're weakened. But it also can get up there in the front line, just the same as a Corsair can. And you have other tools there that really could make you excel as a melee over a Corsair, who would be. And using don't that. think that you have to have a cracking club either. Um, that the savage savage ranger is actually very potent. Um, 
because you can get an angling, which is free, and you can get a TP bonus bow, which is free. It's not free. And you can also get the uh, the TP bonus bow. No, no, no. The the nagling because you got to go pay someone to get you the glowy because that's also not true. <laughs> you can do a whole episode on on how many pulse weapons I've farmed for people off that tier three behemoth. Tier three. It's, it's the fox charity. <laughs> the fox uh, charity drive. You got a telethon now. The, the tier three is easy. Are the best way at. to do that, by the way, guys. It's very easy. They are. It's well, not very so, easy, but in comparison to everything else i see people beat their heads against it is is incredibly easy like it's it's easier than getting the potpourri um it takes way less time than getting the potpourri um the only thing i would say is about as easy as that is trying to get from uh, neo nizel isle event um, uh, that one i think i messed that for an hour and i, one and I gave up it can be frustrating it, it depends, was quicker it depends on how much top. you love it um but to to try to get back to what i was talking about Sorry. um and I'm going to fail at it because, yeah, spicy. What have you done? I derailed oh, the train. Um, the the arrow is also free. You get it from Domain Invasion, and the Malignant Gear is also free, um, which is like your basically your TP set on Ranger for the most part uh, when it comes to using that setup. And instead of a Kraken Club, you can actually just offhand uh, the Blurred Knife plus one, and you'll still have a very decent rate of gaining TP. And uh, if you really want to impress people, you'd be surprised how much damage that you can put out doing Savage Blades. I'm like the king of doing Savage Blades. Uh, I Savage Blade on almost every job that I can Savage Blade on. It doesn't mean I exclusively use Savage Blade, but it's a potent enough weapon skill that it's worth gearing for. And if, you're, if your group is going to Dynamis, <laughs> it's a bit if, broken. if your group is, it's, it's really broken. Uh, but if your group is going to Dynamis and they're not specifically buffing you to do true flight damage, then you can probably hang with the melees and just Savage Blade. And if you build this set, which is basically free, the Blord Knife is going to cost you, um, you'll probably put out really good results. Um, you'll It's it's definitely within the realm of reason to one-shot things. But if you're going to do that on Ranger, why couldn't we just take you on a different job? Because Ranger has because a you place. like Ranger. And there's definitely times too, especially if you're doing Sandy and you have a statue that's not magical and you're on Ranger. Which, you know, not everyone levels core. You don't have to level core. Uh, you definitely want to be able to go and, and fight it in the face there instead of... Because you're going to be in a group most likely getting melee buffs. So you're going to want to go fight it in the face there with your, your Savage Blades. You're not going to want to stand back and shoot. So the Ranger gets the flexibility. But if you're fighting, if you're fighting the Wave 2 boss, a lot of people do take Rangers to that. And a lot of people... Yes. I've also watched people do Vinapata with just Ranger Burns or Shah with just Ranger Burns. And there's... It's just summoner burn with more preparation on a slow but more of a guaranteed win uh, of a strategy than than as, taking yeah. As an LS leader, like when I when I look at stuff and I approach an event or anything, um, I am more impressed by the people who are versatile. Not not saying you have to have a bunch of different jobs, but at least versatile within your job. And that is what's going to make me want to take that person as a DD over the next person who can just spam for damage. So. With your with your ranger, you know, to continue to, to answer your question, like you can build the TP bonus gun the same way the Corsair can, and you can use that, and you won't have the arrow to help bust out your uh, your weapon skill damage even higher because that that arrow is quite significant. But what it will do is it'll add utility to at least allow you to true flight statues or or paladin mobs if you choose to do so. So you can be savage blading, and you can still be a hero of savage blading. And then when you savage blade and don't quite kill that paladin you can still true flight them afterwards. So, you know, it's it's really up to you. 
perfect dodge um, and, and how you want to do it yeah statues perfect are killers in dynamis too so if you have a job there that can do everything else other jobs can like put out damage and survive and not be a problem and be you don't have to win the parse you don't need daddy's love all the time but if you can also shoot yeah. a statue in the distance you are my favorite person in that run yeah absolutely um you can react to the situation and know how to react to it and, and basically be that kind of hero you don't have to be someone who's acknowledged to know that you're doing a good job and actually be benefiting the group in that way. So what my recommendation is just stick with it on Ranger, um, reflect on your sets and see if any of what I talked about fits into what was going on and really take a, a close look at the next time they, they buff their alliance uh, for, for any content and see what kind of buffs they're providing. Uh, because a Corsair is a different monster from a Ranger and a Corsair actually has an easier time of gearing weapon skills than a Ranger does, uh, just inherently. Easy mode, pick core. Yeah, doesn't mean it's better. Just means it's easier. Is there anything we haven't touched on you want to get on here? Because I'm thinking about it. I think we've actually covered things pretty well without. Uh, we haven't really touched on you know people actually making skill chains and skill chains being relevant. We were going to talk about. Oh yeah, that, that's a good one. But I mean, so I mean, I know my example. You want to use your example? I don't know if you have an example. Well, I was really just going to talk about um, like ninja this month for for uh, Ambuscade and kind of the results I found from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's weird because we just talked about, you know, be, it being okay to go against the grain of the meta and and ev even better, going against the grain of the, the misconceived few that, you know, think everything has to be a certain way. But Ninja is meta this month. Um, Ninja is an incredibly potent job this month. And um, what I've noticed is that there's some content like Ambuscade where it actually incentivizes you to do skill chains and people really should work on getting out of that mindset where they have to they have to weapon skill at a specific interval or they're not maximizing their dps or whatever because if you are waiting for skill chains even just a, a very small time frame to do so uh, you're actually adding quite a bit of dps if you can close something for extra free damage so you you always want to look out for that um this month on on in ambuscade uh, i basically killed the boss solo when we got to the boss portion of it, um, I was trying to do the mechanics and I managed to get an aura off. And then the next time I looked down at his, at his HP, cause I'm busy like watching shadows and making sure that I'm, I'm doing my blade Metsus cause I decided to use Kikoku for it. Um, by the time I looked down and saw what HP the boss was at, I was like, well, he's going into his next round of things and he's at 35%. Why don't I just kill him? So I just killed him. I didn't wait for the rest of the mechanics of the fight. Um, but that's just the sort of thing that you want to watch out for. It's not about me being cool on Ninja. It's about recognizing what's actually causing the content to fold under you and maximizing it. Uh, I noticed that my skill chain damage was absolutely nuts. So why not just double down on it? And, you know, in this situation, we can ignore the content and just apply the most efficient strat. Allies role is a very underutilized yeah. and very underappreciated role. And it can easily be... Depending on how much your skill chains are doing, if I mean you're not going to be capping right off the bat with a multi-step, but no. it could be a greater. If that's the basis of your damage, there it can be a greater help by far than using chaos or not. Sam's you need Sam's to skill chain better, obviously. But yeah, you know, even dancers aren't capped on skill chain damage, and they have traits for it. Yeah, like everyone benefits. I have a rule in my dragoon Lua that if I have allies roll on, it changes my skill chain set to a lower skill chain uh, thing because that's how much I like skill chaining on Dragoon. Dragoon is one of my favorite skill chain jobs in the game. 
Yeah, any of those samurai-esque jobs, um, of course, including the namesake, uh, Dragoon and, uh, and Dancer, uh, those jobs really like to capitalize on skill chain damage. And if you can play well with the rest of the group, or at least if you can be mindful when you're on the job of knowing how to close things, that's really beneficial. Um, one of the main things that I see that's lacking, um, not just from the meta, but just from the play in general, is skill chain knowledge. A lot of people will remember how weapon skills go together, but they, they don't really take the time to learn what properties go together to make certain things. And having that knowledge can be the difference between earning daddy's love and not. I, I'm guilty of that. So we're going to go back here. A lot of people are. Uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I'm Anyway. So going back to my whole escapade, if anyone remembers how I couldn't find a way out of Port Sandoria there for two days, or how I didn't know yeah. how to heal, not not that unique. How about I didn't know how to read the skill chain table on on BG or even maybe Bacticlopedia? It's the same table, even though it's not. So I didn't and know how to read the table, and I didn't know how skill chains work, so I just memorized until like maybe five, six years yeah. ago. So I've been playing for what? 15 years, 16, 14, you know, almost 15 years. And it wasn't until five years ago or so that I learned how skill chains work together. Because I couldn't read that crappy table. <laughs> I had a similar experience because I did not read that table. Well, is why I learned how these things go together. And there was a point where if you, if you went down to your, your weapon skill list in, in your abilities, and looked at the weapon skill, it, it used to not tell you what properties it was. You used to have to go somewhere for that. Now, new, newer players or even players who may not have dabbled in it before can actually just look at their weapon skill and they can see what the primary, secondary, and tertiary properties are. And if that sounds confusing, know that it's not. And all that means is that the first one on that list that scrolls by is, is the one that will apply um, specifically. And then the other ones are, are just incidental in that order if it happens to close, which means um, if something is like fragmentation is first on that list, if you close on a fusion, you're going to make a light. You know, if it's fragmentation slash distortion, know that because that fragmentation is first, you are going to make light instead of um, instead of nothing. Basically. Right. No, frag and distortion so doesn't do light. Oh, you're talking about the properties of the weapon skill. I, I thought you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about like, if, you're, if you look at your weapon. Because yeah. level twos make level twos as well, not just threes. Yes, and that that takes a little more finagling. Like you can you can kind of get a feel for it eventually. Um, samurais usually have a pretty good grasp of that usually um, because of how they have to chain theirs together. Um, but a level two to a level two doesn't always make a level two. Um, most of the time, when you start out, you want to focus on trying to make level threes. Um, going two to two isn't really beneficial unless you're trying to multi-step alone, or if you're trying to do what we're talking about. Where where like you see someone open a savage blade, you want to close a Rudra's real quick because you want to create a distortion uh, because you know that you also have a dragoon in the group who, if they're mindful about it, will then close the star diver and make darkness. Like you can chain all these things together, and the more knowledge you you instill in yourself about how this stuff works will increase your DPS and the DPS of your group by quite a bit. Yes, and that flies in the face of needing the best damage is what we're getting at. And plus two, yeah. uh, making, you know, let's say a lot of the weapons skills that are popular, whether it's CDC or Stardive or whatever, if you're making level three to level three, which Stardiver isn't level three unless you're using uh, Trish, <laughs> but I live in a Trish world. 
So those are terminating skill chains. So you're not making a second dark or second light after the first one. If you're multi-stepping, you can go from a two to a three and make a light and then use a light weapon skill again and make an extra light. And you're doing, if everything is going right at that point, based on whether you have allies roll or whatever, you're doing cap damage. You could do, on Dragoon, I love when I do, what, a 30k weapon skill and then a 999k skill chain. It's like, oh, I just did three times more than my weapon skill. The number one job, we we actually talked about farming the tier threes. The number one job I use to farm the tier three mobs is that behemoth. And I go on Dragoon and you can kill it in a single four step because of the the skill chain damage that job puts out. Uh, It's really, really crazy. So my example was basically you you went into the other way of the thief will make will use Rouges at their a savage and make uh, d- uh, distortion because you know you can then close evisceration after the fact yep. later to make dark or any any gravitation yeah yeah any gravitation thief only gets to run with evisceration for that which if you're geared is still a good weapon especially with the skill chain damage you don't have to only use Rouges but also too I was thinking if you're stacking sneak attack or something, Mandelic Stab to close a powerful light skill chain, hopefully uh, three steps you're capping. You don't even, depending on your weapon skill damage, you won't even need three step to cap. But that is more effective than just using Rudris to make a level two, depending on the mob's HP, whatever, so you don't have to do another weapon yeah. skill after the fact. Instead of using just Rudris, Mandelic Stab is not far behind. It, it's, it's similar. It's not as good. It has lower FTP and everything, but it is similar. And you would do you would just kill the mom instead of doing spamming Rudra's like a mindless imbecile. I would actually go for, as far as to say is when you're not stacked, it's far more important that you're closing skill chains than when you are stacked because you know you're not getting that extra damage bonus. So you want to get you want to be able to eke everything you can out of weapon skills that won't be quite as powerful, especially at the rate in which you can put them out. And that's how it's easy to tackle Apex is because if you're doing a four step with decently geared people, yeah, your weapon skills might only be doing. 20, 30, even 40k of a mob that has uh, hundreds of thousands of hit points. But those skill chains, those without those skill chains, the mob would be at what, 60, 50% HP left? Those skill chains finish off the rest of that mob. And and you, that's how yeah. ordinary players can then kill a mob with a lot of HP like an Apex just by throwing out a 3-4 step skill chain. Yeah, being able to to do that um, is is pretty powerful and shouldn't be as overlooked as it is, is kind of what we're getting at. Yeah, it's better than having that R15 than having this or that. It's just knowing how to apply what you have to what you can get. Well, it's a situation where having that R15 just makes it better. Like, that, that's kind of what we're getting at Well, yeah, time, but if that... the mob's dead, the mob's dead. Exactly. And and the, the damage, and because uh, everyone only thinks about damage for some reason, but the damage you bring to the table... Uh, it's it. You have more of a benefit to that damage by bringing knowledge to back it up than to just br- try to brute force it with a weapon that is maybe only ten percent better than the weapon you had before. I like parses against the wave three and blossom divergence. I hate parses where people post a run parse yeah. because all that phantom damage from one hit weapon skills, sat well not well, well, front loaded weapon skills like savage, rudras, laden salute especially. Uh, those are phantom damage in the parse. That's not real damage. If you're doing evisceration for 100k and doing Lot and Salute for 200k, your evisceration is because the mob only has that much HP. You can't do much more than what it is because it's a multi-hit weapon skill. I went ninja um, last Friday to Dynamis, and I we did we farmed Wave 1 and 2, and we did Dynamis, you know, and I went ninja, 
and I parsed just under 30 million damage for wave one and wave two. 30 million damage. And it doesn't matter that I did because I would say about 30k of every single one of those weapon skills I did didn't matter because the mob was already dead 60k ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 yeah, you're absolutely right. It's absolutely just parse padding. And you, you don't need to be that cool. <laughs> like it's just not necessary. And the funny thing is, is I don't even have an R15 Heishi. Like I'm doing this with, I think, an R8. Um, like, don't don't ever let people say that this stuff is required because it's it's not. I don't is like it calling it parse padding though. Absolutely. What? I don't like calling it parse padding because to me, parse padding would be purposely doing things to get extra weapon, extra numbers in the parse. Versus this, what this damage doesn't exist. It is phantom damage. It is not part of making your parse better. It just doesn't exist. It's, it's in there like it does. Yeah, and uh, that's actually true. Um, yeah, don't like be beneficial to your group. Um, just because you can do like a crazy amount of damage doesn't mean that you're actually helping any more than the guy next to you. I've parse padded on blue. I'll take off magic fruit. I'll take off all defensive stuff and I'll just try <laughs> to do all the damage I can do in an ambuscade run. You need to care for me? Sorry, we're all dying. That would be you too. It's, it's, I don't always do it, but sometimes I do it just because I can. It was just from when you were talking about uh, how you play Rune Fencer and how our, our play styles differ. Um, like I can, I can definitely see you doing that. I'm... I'm... Yeah, if, if the whole group's going to die because I feel like uh, being fun. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, I won't kill the group Actually, over yeah, and over um, again. It's just sometimes I feel like risking it to see if I can just not die. The last Dynamics we went to, I actually tried to play Rune Fencer like you play it. Like I was trying to do damage and stuff instead of just being a tank. It's yeah. it's a balancing act, too, because you want to push as hard as you can in that job. That's You're, you're not really supposed to be pushing like that, generally. And then you have to also know when to immediately pull back, when to immediately change gear before you immediately change it back a couple seconds later. It's it's kind of like revving your car up and down. I pretty much just spent my time killing ninjas. Like <laughs> I, I, I was just killing the ninjas while everyone else was. Our, our caller also complained that I complained I died nine times in that divergence run because yeah, if you fight you the if you fight the ranger weapon skill to full like an idiot and died eagle eye shot i think that maybe happened what once or so maybe twice out of the nine there's a lot more than that going on but yeah, it, you, it is a valid I, point you earned some of those that's absolutely oh true. i earned about half of them but i didn't like oh, the yeah. other half yeah uh, those ninjas definitely exploded how dare someone criticize my divergence look guys uh i i want to get a cool payout for divergence as much as the next guy but the end of the game you still or at the end of the day you still want to have fun with the game like and that doesn't mean go in and mpk your party or anything but it's okay to laugh at yourself when you fuck up like i do it all the time i hate when i I laugh at spicy when he fucks up when people just post parts of the damage like when you join an ambuscade run and someone just posts the parts of the damage and you didn't ask and no one cared no one talked about it the group will be quiet and then the only thing will happen is out of the ambuscade is someone posts the parts What's funny is I'll actually post like the accuracy parse. That's what I was going to say. I post the accuracy parse immediately, and then I post the weapon skill average parse, and I never post the real parse to that person. And anytime they do it again, I'll do the same thing. Yeah, because basically you shouldn't be parse shaming people. Like The parse should be something that you look at as a tool to try to see where maybe something could be fixed, or maybe where you can apply changes to make yourself better. Like just because you're out damaging someone doesn't mean they're not contributing. Like get that out of here. Like that that definitely relates back to meta and elitism. Yeah, well, elitism in itself isn't inherently bad, but it's it's the people who are bad actors that make elitism bad. The people who give you the tools, such as 
guides or parsers or uh, spreadsheets or simulations, so on and so forth, those people are elitist because you have to be at a certain, well, generally they are. You have to be at a certain point, especially with guides. You have to be at a certain point to want to, this is the best of the best as far as I can see it. We can talk about it, but I want to put this out there, or I made the spreadsheets to further push how far I can do the best. I mean, those come from positions of elitism. It's the people that are just, you know, kind of not that great in the first place who are also elitists that focus all the drive to elitism. Elitism is not inherently bad is all I'm saying. Yeah. And and I try to look at the, the positives for things because like dwelling on stuff that's negative, like all the toxicity on our server and stuff like that, like dwelling on that. Is it really? It's not right now. Like I've been watching shouts. Well, go by and there's just people selling stuff. I, I use the, the shouts as an SMK or whatever add on that was released. And I don't see as many anymore, which is great. But yeah. uh, is it really toxic? Is it any different than back in the H&M days when people were just dicks? It can be, um, but not necessarily then, because like, then you everyone was shouting at each other because they were bored, you know, staring at darters. Like that's that's about the same because now people exclude you back then too. Staring at Osim. I mean, there's yeah. more there's more criteria to exclude by, so the exclusion has come to a finer filter, which may make it feel even worse. But people, you know, you have to apply to it's one less link shell. Skill. You have to have a certain number of points to lot things. Uh, this is our best person, they get it first. I mean, all those things, those aren't in existence so much now, but those were the same. Those are fact, Those are worse to me than not taking certain jobs or perpetuating setups that don't need to be perpetuated because there's alternative or superior ways. I mean, the, the, the toxicity has never really been a thing so much as it's just people are people, and they will go certain places that everyone knows you shouldn't, but it doesn't stop so, them. The only time anyone has ever seen my name pop up in Azura Yell, because I, I refuse to, to be part of Yell at all. Oh, come on. In fact, when building parties, I'll have someone else yell for it. Uh, I just I just don't even want the exposure. Like, I don't want people... I, I actually don't care about people know, acknowledging that I exist. I really don't. Um, but one of the few times I've ever popped up in Azura Yell was because people were just like trashing on Ninja for no reason. <laughs> and it's not even that, you know, it's one of my favorite jobs. Like I, I actually, I love Ninja. It's it's a great job. I can sing its praises forever. I'm, I'm biased, obviously. But they're trashing Ninja in such a way that is only detrimental to the job. It's not really boosting anyone or anything. It's just basically imprinting this thing on, on impressionable minds who are the, the nonverbal majority seeing the vocal minority who's constantly going off about this stuff now suddenly trash talk a job while they also see nobody ever shout for it it puts damage on a job that can do it that can do what it needs to do just fine and a lot of times do it better than a lot of other dds and i'm sitting here looking at this and i'm like these people are just not informed have they ever played the job <laughs> have they ever actually parsed this job against other jobs like do they know what they're talking about and i came to the conclusion that they didn't and it was one of the few times where i actually spoke up in azura yell and i basically said that they sh should in so many in so many words should actually look into a job before they start commenting on it and then i proceeded to have a tells conversation about one of them um with one of them for like the next hour that i'll never get back wow that's so but, toxic uh, man. It, it just it just goes to show well to me to me it's toxic when it doesn't serve an actual purpose at the end of the day like when when I'm when I'm Not looking at that I'm like, man, 
Well, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, man, now here's a job I like to play. And here it is being trash talked when everyone is just going to believe this, the, the, this minority of people who just want to say these things because they've never experienced the job or, or looked into the job in such a way where they know the frame of reference that they're talking about. And they're, they're making it harder for me to play this job later. And they're also just perpetuating the ignorance that goes into a lot of these criticisms that you see and yell. And I, I just had to say something is, is really all there is to it. Like, that's the part that bugs me. I like I'll like if I show up on Ninja, I will I will simply prove to you that I can do whatever I'm doing and that the job is perfectly fine. But when people try to like preload things with this mindset that makes it so that's not possible to begin with, that's the part of the meta that, that I don't like. And it's not even meta, by the way. That's that's just a an additional thing that's been attached to the meta since that phrase was coined. I had the same problem extra. with Blue Mage, especially. When Delve was brand new, when Adolin had just come out, I had a problem with Blue Mage in that it was seen the same way as Ninja even almost. You people didn't want it. They wanted Monks of Rune to proc the uh, the auras off of things or certain damage types for whether it was Tojil or whatever. They didn't want Blue Mage for any of that ever. And it was not that the job couldn't do it. It certainly could. And I always like to go prove that yeah, I could. Yeah, why couldn't you Rune? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, you know, different damage types than that too. But... Yeah. They didn't want to ever, anyone shouting never wanted to take my Blue Mage, even though when I would show up to certain runs, I would end up doing better than most of the people there, if not sometimes doing outright the best because people aren't as great as they imagine themselves to be. And I know I say that a lot because I'm very bitter and jaded. It's just because my entire gaming history has been paced off of no one wants my pup, no one wants my thief, can't get a party can't get anything, can't get a link shell, can't get the gear to prove that I'm better. You know, so I've had 15 years of being on the outside looking in, and I'm very jaded to the fact that I have fun doing well and that in the same regard that, you know, if if we didn't do the Beastmaster episode, I would have thought Ninja is your only love and everything. You just want to play Ninja again. (laughs) But the same thing for you. You want to go to these jobs and you're qualified to, but it's the problem of the entire premise of this episode that we're trying to really cut through and that there's more than just throwing what you think is good at something and throwing everything else away. Yeah. You have to get outside of the entrenched mindset of the few. Um, I never see people shop for anything anymore. And if more people just like step up and shout and just accept jobs to go with you, um, a lot of times these jobs that you never see people on are, are actually quite well geared because, and they're, they're usually informed players on that job too, because they have to try harder to fit into the meta than someone who just geared a, a Dark Knight or a Sam. I've seen people yelling for things more often, uh, mostly ambuscade and things. You, if you're looking for someone yelling to do, I don't know, some Aeonic NM, I've seen it a little bit recently, actually, not that I'm on that much to really say one thing or the other. But I've seen a little more than I have in the past. Yeah, you have people, all the murky elves and everything still. But if we can cut through that, especially if we can cut the ape, the, the CP murking out of it, that alone would go pretty far. Not that we could do that, but if people collectively Correct. at least reduce the profitability of CPing, kind of like reducing plastic in the world, you know, that kind of thing, then it can really shape people making these shouts again in a more prevalent manner, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I just wanted to say I've been seeing shouts and joining them, so you're not wrong. If I did, I would. 
If I saw a CP shout where they needed a healer, I would bring my scholar right away. I would love to master scholar. It'd That's how I got the Poxhound group is because uh, social or whatever was shouting. I joined his group twice on two different, a week apart. Maybe I've just been doing too much math lately. I, I'm still in school for those listening. It was amazing. Um, I'm, may, like yeah, same I'm guy. probably just missing the prime, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. When we when we talk about stuff about how like we're going to show up and we're going to do good, I want to make sure people know that at least I, I can't speak for Spicy directly, but I, I want to make sure people know that I'm not talking about me doing well. I'm talking about the job doing well and, and proving that that can take place. Because like I've said before, I do nothing special. All I've done is read about how things work. That's and pretty special. Apply it to the job. It, well, it's nothing that, that other people can't do. So when we take this approach and looking at, at the meta and being able to apply certain jobs to it, we're not just saying, oh, we're so cool that we can break the meta. What, what we're saying is that these jobs are inherently capable of doing it, and it's up to the users to not only allow the job to do it, but up to the individuals to actually bring their best game to the table and like be something special again. Because everyone can do damage, but are we really looking for that anymore? Or are we looking for people who will actually like succeed in the content? Because that's not always the exact same thing. So the meta is like the code of conduct here. And how we talked about it creating that Levi's jeans impression, which I, yeah. I, I like that one. I'm gonna, I really like that. I only do Ionics in my Levi's. Going to go look in Barnes for authentic Levi's aged through the centuries. But in Germany, they're very stereotyped as orderly people rule following and to an extent that is a true stereotype not that all stereotypes are true that is just a true one so let's say there's no one around and there's a don't walk sign on the street yes most people especially in america will just cross there's no one around i can look and decide for myself i can cross now that's frowned upon in general but if a child is waiting for the light to change and there's nothing around and you go to cross the street because, oh, I can make my own mind up. I look left, I look right, I look right again, even though I just looked right. And there's no car coming. I'm not going to stand here like an idiot. I'm going to cross the street. I can make my mind up. It's that child who's watching that and hasn't gone through yes. that process. They're the ones who are, people will be very upset if they see that. They, they'll, they'll, you know, it's going to be, a, there's going to be words exchanged that's going to be, it's a thing. It wouldn't happen and, so and much if, here, but yeah, you know what I'm getting at here. It's, they yes, haven't if, made their if, minds up because they're impressionable. People, if people take anything away from this episode, they need to take away exactly that. Like that, that is, that is extremely important. And it seems trivial, but it's a very good example. It really is. Yeah. I'm just not, you know, playing co-host here. Like that is, um, that is the number one thing. That's, that's the reason I spoke up about the ninja stuff is because you see that stuff happen and then everyone just believes it for some reason because it's in front of them. Well, because there's nothing to prove them otherwise. I never exactly. play with ninjas because no one ever has ninja. And when I do play with them, they're kind of just like people that want to play the job and they don't put the fox level of attention to detail in there. <laughs> I don't carry around a ridiculous number of weapons. I'm not yeah. just playing ho-host and saying fox is good at what he does. Well, I, I know. But sometimes like, I, I just want to avoid the fact that, that it can sometimes seem like we agree with each other for the sake of agreement. And that's not actually true. Like I actually uh, believe a lot of the, uh, the stuff not a lot of the, the stuff that we're actually talking about and and what he said about people just mimicking what they see like that uh, especially with impressionable small children like that's that that applies to this game the community space. is a small child i'm saying yeah i can agree with that 
yeah as far as impressionability is concerned absolutely and what's good what's good about you and i is while people may think we have a thing going where we back each other up we don't plan on that i'll tell foxy's wrong he'll tell me i'm wrong but what's great is we agree on the same conclusions generally but how we get to that conclusion is nothing like how the other person got to that conclusion usually yeah yeah and that's the great thing it's like yeah we agree well why do you agree oh well, I, well, well, I agree because of this. A ghost of Christmas past, but in the future rundown of how this works. And hopefully you'll get there. So, I mean, we probably could end this episode half an hour ago, but this has been fun. It doesn't have to be yeah. barred, you know, funk work levels of outline. His visage See, now, in the moonlight. Now funk is going to feel slighted because we went extra on this one, but we wouldn't let him get his points across. Every time his Galka fits in that Shire Mantille, uh, you know. He's a Galka? Yes, yes. He has an outline. I always, I always envisioned him as a uh, as a Taru. I don't he know why. A Taru? Yeah. Come on. Now he's got an outline, man. Look at his name. It's funk words. When he like, puts it, on it, that, it has a Taru feel. That mantle. He is. Uh, he is in quite the outline there in the Vanadil moonlight. Oh boy. Yeah, I never knew. I I'll never know again because I drove Funk away. He left the server. As you do. Nah, he wanted to go do things on Sylph. Anyway, okay, so I think we've we've reached the end of this. Yeah, we've pretty much run into the ground at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, hopefully there was something of value in there for to be gained or talked about. And if anyone has any comments, concerns, suggestions, criticisms, uh, hate mail, not we don't want your hate mail. We really don't care. Don't waste our time, and especially don't waste your time. Anything like that then please reach out to us. You can comment on the podcast. There is a comment function on the, you know, we're, we'll be on Podbean for the foreseeable future. It just works for us. Uh, you can leave a comment there. You can email us, wtfvonadeal at gmail.com. You can comment on YouTube. I share those with Fox and even Funk as well. So we do talk about that and give us ideas for future episodes and suggestions and, you know, corrections tickling tendrils and i look at the youtube also um the comments in there i actually check those out but i didn't know that i usually yeah i do um but you are the one who responds so just know that spicy is the one responding to it um oh, but yes. i look at them too and if i see something that catches my eye that may not necessarily catch his um i'll actually add it as, as something to write down too uh so definitely just leave that there let us know because we're looking at it from several frames of reference Context always matters. Sometimes other contexts and other points of view change everything we've talked about completely. Absolutely. And some of the email responses and comments have been, as you may not have noticed, very unspicy because Fox does approve of the things I say and I try to only put pieces of myself (laughs) in there instead of making it I'm writing this. It's I think about it from my perspective of, okay, Fox and I are sitting down. What will work? Yeah. Pretty much like I, I, I'm not gonna lie, like when we originally approached doing this, um, I, I was actually uh, kind of concerned about what kind of feedback we would get just because Spicy's <laughs> attached to the program. You so, may be more that, intelligent, that but I am certainly something. Yeah. What it is, doctors are not sure. Oh, man. Well, I think that's enough of daddy's love for the night. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, hang on. We, we'll both go to therapy. Oh, I don't know if that'll fix this. Anyway, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, And as always, thank you, Fox. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, Later, guys.